Good afternoon, fellow Gooners. Welcome to another episode of Canon Talk. I'm this morning, of course, as usual, Aiden. How's it, guys? Hope everybody's doing well. Um, another week goes by, and Arsenal, you know, gaining in the top four race, even though they haven't played this weekend. Uh, United went to go draw, I think it was against, was it against Watford, actually. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I think it was one or was it? What is it? No, no. No, no. But I mean, they did try. But I mean, that also leads me now to my intro, like with, with regards to Watford now. Um, it's almost like there's a feel of, you know, taking on a wounded animal, you know, because you don't know how unpredictable, uh, unpredictable Watford can be. Because look, okay, they've got like, I think, one win in, in about five games. Because uh, I think they won one all away at, at Aston Villa. But I mean, other than that, you also don't know, like, because there's some games where they're almost, like, made to look, like, really bad. But, I mean, they are, like, you know, trying in a way. And, and it's almost like they're just kind of falling short every time. And if you look at the, the over the course of the whole season, I mean, they have had, like, also a torrid season. Because, I mean, you have three coaches in, in, in one actual season. Because, I mean, they, they started off with uh, Isco uh, Munoz. Then they went on to Ranieri for a couple of months. And now they're with Roy Hodgson again. I mean, one of the oldest managers in the game. Yeah, I know, but I think Roy Hodgson seems to be a guy that, you know, does end up always getting the best out of his, mm. his, his team, you know. I think at Palace, I thought that was the end of him, you know, him stepping down, but I mean, it just yeah. seems like there's, there's always a, a role for those type of guys, you know, no matter what, there's always a, a need for them to come and save the team in the Premier League, to keep it yeah. up. In the, in the you know, he is like also a very... Um... Because other day I was just thinking about the old time, I thought, was like, what does he kind of remind me of? And it's almost like you're watching a young, um, what is it, that, that Burnley's coach's name again? Sean Dyke. Yeah, because I mean, it's like, he sets up his team, I want like, to annoy you first and foremost. They kind of get like under your skin and all of a sudden they like, can spring to attack or, you know, from any sort of uh, set piece. They normally capitalize and then you kind of screw it and you end up chasing the game. That's why I said, like, and that's where... I, you know, I fear Watford in, in that sense, uh, with that sort of thing to the game. Yeah, I know. I mean, United have also been on the receiving end of it when they went to Vickery's Road, when they you know, went down, was it 4-1? Before, you know, Solskjaer got the sack. Yeah, and I mean, if you think, what was it a couple of seasons back also when when they gave that Liverpool, when they were still champions, when they gave them a tonking or so, was it 4 or something, 4-1 or something like that? Yeah, it was 3 uh, would have been... I think. Uh, just before COVID happened, I guess, yeah, was, yeah, like yeah. before the lockdown. Yeah. So, I mean, they are, you know, a team really to watch. And, I mean, for me, uh, we pertains uh, to Arsenal. Um, I just think we need to also, like, now consolidate uh, that spot. Not, not to, like, be, of course, content with it. But almost, like, consolidate where we are right now in the top part of the league now. And kind of also not distance ourselves first and foremost from the Uniteds, the Tottenhams, and that, and start you know chipping away on West Ham, getting also then away from them, and then almost like really start setting our sights then on Chelsea. Because I, I just think to myself, you don't know also how you know when now with the Champions League in full swing and that again, and then it comes the next round of of you know better fixtures plus some of them also mixed in with the, with the FA Cup. So I mean of course Tottenham got knocked out this past week now against Middlesbrough. But I mean, that being said, you have to also try to see that you want to keep yours, you know, you keep your nose clean and you see that you just choke and, you know, chip away to everything in the league. Yeah, I know. I think you also can get that right, you know, and 
end up uh, you know distancing themselves from from the likes of Man United and and Tottenham. But I think yeah. it's important we get the result to on on Sunday. I think because if you look at United and City and United play, I mean, you know, you almost I know we have the two games in the hand, but against yeah. a tough Spurs side and Chelsea side. But I mean, if you can get those points and United drop more points the weekend, you kind of it's null and void, you know, that two games is in hand that you have. So you you can, not I would say you want to lose the games, but if you drop points in those games, it's not like you, you're panicking. Yeah, I mean, I fully agree. But I mean, like with regards to that, just to the squad, I don't know if you picked that up the last day or so. Arsenal have now done almost like something that they last did under Una Emery, where they now, I think, I'm not sure it was like once a month or something like that, but they actually trained at the Emirates yesterday, like for most of the day. So, I mean, I don't know if it's not to get a better feel of, you know, with, with the whole, um, you know, scenario, like on the stadium now, in the empty stadium even, but all of the conditions, of course, like a typical, you know, like carpet in the day at, at the Emirates. So, I don't know what is the whole ploy behind that now, like getting them into that sort of mode again. Yeah, I know, Wenger didn't really like that day. Wenger never really trained on the Emirates. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see, you know, and I think, uh, like you said, a, a very wily Watford side, you know, on the day they could, I mean, the last time we played at Vicarage Road, I think, you know, we went 2-0 up and we were big back 2-2, if I, if I remember correctly. So, not going to be an easy game, but we need to just show our credentials for that and maybe nail the colours to the mast for that top, uh, top four spot. Yeah, but I mean, if you just think of it, like even the, the, the game at the Emirates, it was not a walk in the park. I mean, we ended up, you know, having to it was like wear them down, not only wear them down, but it was like try to use like, I'm not saying like say skullduggery type of tactics, but I mean, we had to really, you know, work it out to get the game, because I mean, that's, uh, to get the three points, because I mean, we ended up just scraping a one or win in a game that, that could have gone also anyway, or either way, I should say. Yeah, no different. I think uh, Mr. Bamiyang penalty as well could have made things a bit easier. But like you said, you know, it, it wasn't an easy game and the scoreline reflected that as well. So, you don't take nothing for granted with Watford or in the Premier League. It's just about trying to, I think, get the result for 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 the weekend, I think. And I think also, like, they also have this sort of attitude, you know, like, as you, those that now watch the... The game at Old Trafford, I mean, they got like a never-say-die attitude. So they were I mean, throwing everything on the line. And especially if you watch that last 10-15 minutes when United were almost like just, you know, like bombarding their box. I mean, I, don't, I think they were like five or six at times in their box. And, you know, just bodies throwing themselves on the line and, and you know, attacking players, playing almost like holding midfielders and holding United at base. So, I mean, I think they also know what sort of fight they'll probably be up for the, the weekend. So we... Like especially our attacking, you know, foursome and that are gonna need to almost like have yeah, a work cut out there also to try to and even like people like Jacques and Party, you know, try to pick out the pinpoint passes and, and especially now with I think Smith Rowe could even I think he's not fully, fully fit and, and he could even get the nod ahead of, of uh, Martin Ali in the game. Yeah, no, Martin Ali, like we spoke previously, yeah, hasn't been doing the greatest. I mean, there was a patch, I think, over the Christmas period where he was you know, in the red art form, but it's almost like he's taken a bit of a, a dip. I think he needs to work on his consistency to really? nail a place. One thing that you nailed last week, like one of the, the topics that you brought up was, you know, now we're at the stage of the season now where 
you as a player can't really slip up because you've got people that are breathing down your neck wanting your spot. And as you said now, Smith Rowe will probably not take that opportunity to consolidate his position because look, he ended up missing out to Martinelli with injury now. Martinelli with, I think, probably a dip in form. He might have to then, you know, sit on the bench. So you got somebody else that, you know, ahead of him now trying to just hold that position as their own. Yeah, no, and, and I also do think that Pepe deserves a start. Yeah. I mean, after his, his two good performances in the week, but you know what do you do now because you have, you, I mean, Saka, do you do you drop Saka? I mean, Saka's been playing well to give him a rest. Do you kind of maybe drop Saka? In yeah. the Odegaard position, but Odegaard has been playing well as well. So, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a big selection headache for, for Mikel Arteta at the moment. And I think the problem was nice with our situation is with the, you know, that there's big gaps now between playing. So players can actually get like a full rest. So you can't actually just say, you know, maybe Saka should be pulled. I mean, now no, I'm guilty of that. I just always say, uh, you know, pull Saka a bit out of the firing line. Let somebody else play. But I mean, you, you're at the stage now where you got like seven to ten days off. And you really don't want to also tinker too much with that, you know, like, like a winning combination type of thing. Yeah, no, it's a bit of a tricky one. Ah, uh, because I mean, Pepe, he deserves an opportunity. Yeah. I mean, he, he was excellent when he came on against Wolves, and I think a big reason of why we won the game actually. So it's like, what do you do now? Do you give him a start ahead of like Martinelli? Do you raise Saka? Do you try him as a as a false number nine or like a centre forward up front? I think he has tried that position up for Lille at the stage as well. So you know. Big, big, like I said, selection in for Arteta, but let's just hope he pulls the right one. I mean, I, I, I actually do hope also we get to see that thing where, if you, I don't know if you recall a couple of weeks back, Arteta was talking of, um, you know, possibly using something like Smith Rowe as a, a false nine or, or number nine, just to try him out. Because I, at first I thought it's, it's like a silly idea, and that, but then afterwards then you think, look, Henri was a winger that got converted to a, a main striker, then you get... You know, some of the top players sometimes that end up being out wide in that. Or, I mean, uh, I think okay, for me personally, as a football fan, this will probably be the first case of seeing somebody that plays like in a central attack midfielder all that actually goes on to be, you know, like a fuller out striker or centre forward. But I do think he has that ability, the way he just gets between the lines. So he's not going to be, you know, the attacker that's going to, you know, blistering pace and it's going yeah. to take three to four players on. I think his work guy is going to just slip in behind uh, a centre-back and get onto the end of the ball and, you know, he has a good good finish on him at one-on-one at time. So, you know, maybe that's the plan or maybe you kind of hold him similar to what you're doing with Lacazette but it allows maybe the likes of Saka and Pepe to just slip in behind their centre-backs with um, Emil Smith-Rowe kind of play Central, but a bit deeper, yeah. which is like a false nine. Okay. So we switch our attention now to talking point section of the podcast. Um, you know, after the fans forum and the club reps uh, met like a couple of weeks back, um, there was not talk of, you know, with Arsenal making financial losses because of, you know, COVID also being the reason and, and things like, it, like certain workers having to be put on furlough or wages also, you know, cut off players and that. Now there's talk of next season, I think of a 4% uh, season ticket season ticket hike. And I think also match day, those people. Yeah, that match, match, there's going to be a, a hike like that. But 
I'm just wondering, of course, yeah, I know like we're going to make now, I think it's about 150 or something like that, you know, plus um, losses. But I mean, I'm not just thinking when I saw the other day, I mean, I think a lot was made now of Arsenal being, you know, making those sort of financial losses. But then when I started seeing United's losses also, then I think, like, you know, financial losses. Then I'm thinking, I mean, for me, then I was almost like a drop in the ocean compared to what some of the other teams are, are you know, using or losing. And and, and yet we almost like the spotlight is like kind of falling on us because I personally feel, you know, as I'm just frustrated we got with the Krumkis and that. I still think now the club has a better direction, the way it's run financially and that. And there's also a better sort of, you know, mindset where we actually know what's going to come now. Look, look in the summer that I mentioned last week or so about the the uh, talk of the renovations and the, the Jumbotrons, new Jumbotrons coming to the stadium and that. And, and the outside of the stadium also getting revamped. Plus, I think seating is also getting revamped for the, over the summer. So, I mean, I just think, like, even though I think the club can even recoup, I mean, of course, we're all chasing that say Champions League or even that European dream with with uh, you know the financial incentive you get with it. So I just think to myself, I think it could balance each other out if you think of it over the you know over the course of the season. Yeah, no, definitely. I think that that fourth spot is definitely vital. I think you know, I think even Europa League now, it's it's, it's not where we want to be uh, to attract the players. I mean, you've seen. It, 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 we possibly could have signed a guy like Blavich if we had to have Champions League football. So I think it is a is a massive selling point which we need to kind of kind of get right if, if yeah. we wanted to, you know, be where we once were, especially in the financial status terms. And I mean I also hope look there's a lot of talk of it, but I mean of course we don't know. You know, Arsenal are very secretive with um the way they do business and negotiations and it. I'm just wondering also if, if they also have a ducks in line with regards to the potential transfers for the summer. So it's almost like, you know, the minute the season ends or whatever, it's, you know, to, like, you know, just react immediately and, and already have the players lined up. It's not yeah. too long, you know, not haggling too long over prices. And I think, you know, we, we already have done most of the, 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 you know, the hard grind in January already. Yeah, I know. If you look at our squad at the moment, you know, you have it. I'm still sorted as your keeper for the next. You don't touch wood, you know, it's not that it's the purple patch and you tape yeah. it off, but I mean, you have a keeper there probably for the next six to ten years. Um, you know, Gabriel and Ben White, you know, next maybe five to six years as a pair. Tierney, you know, he, I don't know, Tavares, I don't know if he's the guy to kind of re- not replace Tierney, but you know, kind of compete him with the years to come. That is kind of a right back situation with Tobiaso. I mean, is he still out injured? Is there any word on that? I mean, I don't know if I told you that in, in, in private discussion or whatever, but um, he's got that cough, but that cough injury, he's not got it on the other cough now. Yeah. Exact same thing with, so, you know, almost like uh, heavily damaged, and it's probably another two to three weeks where he's going to be out, so. Same like it is again. Yeah, so it's, it's actually becoming almost like concerning. That's why I think also Arsenal are, um, you know, looking also hard at that sort of, uh, you know, top type of right back to come in as well. Because remember that guy of, of Middlesbrough that played at, at Nottingham Forest in the cup against us? That yes. DJ Spence or something like that. Now, I heard Bayern are even now in negotiations already with the, with Middlesbrough regarding that player. So, I mean, for me, I mean, of course, it's still just negotiating and that no, there's nothing definite yet. So, I mean, for me, when I saw the sort of comfort he played with and, you know, he knows 
out of track back fast. He's also very fast in the attack for, as a right back. And I mean, he was ending up whooping up crosses constantly. So I think that is also something that we should look at because, I mean, of course, it's a homegrown player and it would also be a big bonus for Arsenal. Then. I guess as a player, you, or maybe I'm wrong, but maybe as a player, you would want to stay in London or, or in England if if you could, if a club like Arsenal came in for you. But then again, you know, Bayern Munich is up there with the best at the moment. So it's chalk and cheese at the moment. Arsenal coming in for you and Bayern coming in for you. So, I mean, another topic I'm going to bring up now was, have you noticed this sort of media agenda that's also building now against Arsenal? I mean, of course, I first thought, you know, of course, we are, you know, first and foremost Arsenal fans. But, I mean, when you always see the sort of input that you get, you know, from media shows and, 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 and you know, football shows in general, it's almost like it's brought the the, the fan base almost like closer together. And, I mean, I don't know if you notice also with, with regards to Arsenal as a whole, that, that especially that game against Wolves, normally you'd see by, say, 10 minutes to go, people already leaving the ground. And for me, that game... I mean, of course, people probably did leave somewhat early, you know, to get, to beat the traffic and that. But I just think myself, for me, the Emirates was way fuller than it usually is at that point in the game, especially with the Wolves game, where yes, it seems yes. that, 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 that the roar was even louder in the crowd. Like, the the, the noise levels was like, almost like of European-type quality, European night quality. And I mean, as I said, our stadium seemed also very full at that time. So, like, that sort of belief in the team was also growing more and more. Yeah, I, I definitely think so. I think that Arsenal have an identity now and they've kind of built towards something that, you know, you and I at one stage were complaining about because we couldn't see it in the team. Yeah. And, you know, Atete, you know, it's it's it's, it's like a, a seesaw because one moment, you know, I'm thinking to myself, you know, maybe this is the guy for the job. He asked for time and stuff. And then, you know, he maybe drops the ball against a few results and you're questioning him again. But... If you look at Klopp as well, you know, they weren't perfect yeah. under him until until they basically got all the players he wanted to get. I mean, it was yeah. Van Dijk, he brought in Van Dijk, he brought in Salah, he brought in Allison. You know, it, it, it took time for him to get it. It probably took him like three yeah. seasons. And Arteta is now in his third full season. So, you know, maybe this is the catalyst, you know, getting into the Champions League and then taking it from there. I mean, you can clearly see... Well, first and foremost, when he took over there, and I'm not talking about just of the wage thing, the wage budget that you know, you know, was like sliced almost in half. But I mean, you can actually see he's, he's gotten a, a, you know rid of the majority of of say, the Wenger type signings, and there's also talk of with the coming summer that, that people like even Jaka and and El Nini will be let go, and you, know, you can actually see it as you know said, where he's actually now building a team that he wants. And to have his sort of identity, the style of play now. So, I mean, I think, and that is why I think you notice also that the board are backing him for that. The the fan base are even more patient. Like, I mean, even we have a little rick in, in, in the, the in the season. The, the, the crowd is still there. He hasn't, like, lost the fan base in that yet. Yeah, and I don't know if you, like, you get his results this season. But, I mean, you know, we, we maybe dropped two or... or like, you know, one or two games where we, you know, go off the boil. And then we go on a run again of, like, you know, five to six games, yep. seven games to win. And then, you know, maybe one or two. I mean, you know, we're not going to be invincible anytime soon. So, you know, when we do drop points, it's, it's, it's just about how you come back. I mean, it's pointless. You 
you drop two games, you win three games, you drop another two, and then, you know, it's just about getting consistency, right? And I think Arteta has been getting that right. Yes, you know, January wasn't good, but it was, you know, what it was a two cup games so we, um, you know, we got knocked out against against Liverpool Forest, and then, you know, losing to Man City, and then throwing against a Burnley side who beat Spurs, and through the United as well, so, you know, it's it's, it's not all doom and gloom, you know, when we drop points. It's just about how we're coming back this season. And it's, it's actually been really, really good in the eye to see us, you know, come back from from bad results so quickly. Yeah, I mean, if, if you see also things, I'm to interrupt you, but when you see also how erratic Tottenham are, where they, like, they lose one, they win one, they lose one, they win one, they lose one. Like that. That's how the season is Exactly like that. And I, and I think for me, you know, where it was a good sign for Arsenal fans was... Yeah, I don't know if you want to go back to that United and Everton game. You know, we lost back to back there. And for me, I thought, oh, no, you know, you're just going to be with the rot starts. And they just picked up again, you know, getting like three or four wins in the trot. Yeah, and I mean, for me, it's also they're they coming also like with a sort of never say die attitude now, right? Till the final whistle now, where they will try and try. And I mean, you can see that the opposition team, where they were maybe just defending or sitting deep, all of a sudden, Almost like half on the goal line, trying to protect to get something out of the game because Arsenal just keep on coming. Yeah, no, that was definitely a, a different side to Arsenal that you're seeing this season. I mean, even that game against Palace where we drew two all, you know, we fought till the bitter end to get that equaliser. So definitely a change in mindset and mentality at the club, and you know, hopefully it takes us further into that fourth spot and we can seal the deal. It will make for a good documentary. Yeah. So, um, uh, the next topic I'm going to bring up was also the prof- pro- professionalism of the players um, not playing and also the professionals, professionalism of the players that are away because um, Pablo Marie, I don't know if you saw the interview that he did last week, um, where he actually said, I mean, like, because he was like, you know, all fully supportive of Arsenal, you know, snatching that win from Wolves the other night, but he was like, it was like a frank talk with a, a journalist in Italy about um, the talks he had with Arteta. And Arteta told him straight that his chances were going to be few and far between, um, you know, for this part, like the latter part of the season, of this current season, and that he wasn't really in his plans for, like, from there on in, like, coming the summer. So it was all like he's already got the sort of direction where he's going to go with, with whatever play. But, I mean, there was nothing... Where Marie was also kind of slagging the club off or slagging Arteta off, but he just said, like, he actually respects that Arteta was up front with him so that he know what sort of plans he needs to make for himself as well. Yeah, no, I, I think, you know, this Arteta's way of doing things, I think he's very upfront compared yeah. to a guy like, you know, Wenger in a way, you know, where Wenger was, yeah, you know, kind of uh, hold on to a play or, you know, just keep him there in the sidelines until, you know, he just, the player just tapers off and just disappears. So it's a good thing that, you know, he's kind of doing that. And I think um, the thing with the Palmyang as well, the good thing that that also got sorted because it's now, you know, chapter that is just closed, even though the guy's flag high now in um, yeah. in Spain. But it, it just shows Arthetis has a way of doing things and it doesn't bend it for anybody. Yeah. Then that final point I'll just bring up was... Um... Matthew Guendouzi, he now reached all the clauses of that loan agreement that uh, Marseille and Arsenal wanted. So that deal with Arsenal's 
just about signed and sealed. I think also get about nine, roughly nine million out of the deal. And the same can be said now with Mavropanos. He's also now, uh, you know, ticked all the boxes by the loan agreement of appearances and et cetera, et cetera, goes with it. And I think he's going to probably make about a three to four million pound move to Stuttgart. Yeah, it's it's. I'm really disappointed about going to the going to thing. I think he had yep. so much to offer, so much talent, and I think he would have been a good leader in this current side. But you know, yep. it's just his his mindset wasn't what it was supposed to be. And you know, what can you do from that point on? Yeah, I mean, for me, his speculance is the first and foremost I couldn't handle, and then also that that uh, <coughs> excuse me, that playfulness in training I also did not like. So. I mean, good luck to him, you know, at Marseille. I think maybe that French legal suits him better because look, when he was at, at um, Hertha Berlin, that was also another problem that was coming up with, the, uh, you know, his attitude and that we fell at fallouts with various coaches also there. So it comes down to also the player and, and which league he's playing in, I think, with him. Yeah, I think his discipline also, you know, he's, he seems like a player that can't be, can't be too strict around him, whatever he wants to do and he feels like he wants to do so. <laughs> Yeah, no, good luck to him with that. It's just, it's just a point when I think a lot of Arsenal fans could have seen him with the armband if he had just had a, a bit more, you know, head like head on him. Yeah. So, do you have anything else to add before we head up? No, I'm, I'm, I'm spoken all the things we could have. Okay, then take care, guys. Enjoy the game on Sunday. Cheers. Let's go get the three points. <laughs>